This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. This is Arjun. And today, I have a little smirk on my face because I have this opportunity for a conversation I've been waiting for. Today, my VIP guest is Dr. Patrick Cohn. Dr. Cohn is one of those unique individuals who I admire, respect, and has seen him make an impact in the life of many people. To get little formal, Dr. Patrick Cohn is a mental training expert who has been an athlete in his entire life and now a mental games coach. His passion for sports and sports psychology started early in life and continued to grow as he participated in sports. Today, he is the president and founder of Peak Performance Sports LLC in Orlando, Florida, where he provides mental toughness training to individuals and team athletes. It's an incredible pleasure and honor to welcome Dr. Kohn, who I have watched, and in my humble opinion, he is the Jerry Maguire to top athletes because he puts top athletes, connect the dots, and get to the mindset to get to big wins. So I really think, Dr. Kohn, I have done 162 episodes to get ready for this episode with the Dr. Patrick Kohn. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. That's a great introduction. I appreciate that, Arjun. Nice to see you. My pleasure, sir. So Dr. Kohn, first, again, congratulations on an amazing journey. And again, I always believe with you, the best is always ahead. To start with, you know, we talk about big wins. Can you share a few of big wins in your life? And more importantly, how do you define a win? Great question. Well, um, you can define a win in many different ways. And often with my athletes, Arjun, it's not about winning, but it's about redefining winning when you're not winning, right? Because on most days, um, you're going to perform at a 7 or an 8 out of 10, and you're not going to be at a 10. So I think in the sports world, athletes focus too much on winning and the outcome um, on statistics, on things that often are not very relevant to performing in the present, one play at a time. In your world, I guess it would be one deal at a time, one profession or um, one meeting at a time, right? So winning is a very interesting concept. Certainly you have to think big to win big, right? That might be your new tagline. Okay. Thank you. I I'll, I'll allow you to use that. You have to think big to win big. But um, when athletes are struggling, we we redefine winning, mm -hmm. right? Winning might be something like, hey, you're executing your pre-shot routine well on the golf course, or you're executing a good at-bat routine, 
when you're playing baseball or you're thinking confidently or you're committed to what you're doing out there. And so often I change the definition of winning for them because they can become obsessed about winning. So let me build on that a little bit more because if I paraphrase that also to the business world is like a GPS, if I don't know where I'm going or I'm trying to force myself to go somewhere which is distracting, that journey is messed up right there. So how do you help people find their personal wins? And then there's a mindset change because think before they talk to you all their life, only thing winning was holding this trophy with both hands. Otherwise, you know, we define win as either you win or you're a loser. How do you help people change their mindset, focus on the new definition of a win? Well, it depends what we're talking about. Um, I guess in the business world, it would be doing the things you need to do each and every day to improve your performance um, by focusing on the moment to moment tasks you need to do, eliminating distractions, trusting in your decisions, um, being confident, uh, certainly, all the things that we talk about from the sports psychology world apply, I think, to people in the business world. So there, there's a direct equation there. So instead of focusing so much on, on obtaining that deal, that you're working on, or you've been working on for three months or six months, maybe it's a better opportunity to focus on what do I need to do to further that deal um, step by step. So um, obviously, I'm not an expert in the business world, but I, I know enough to be dangerous that there are high expectations in the business world. You're always trying to match or exceed, mm -hmm. right, what you did the previous year. And um, for some people, that becomes pressure. You know, I got to exceed my sales from last year. I got to exceed my sales from the first quarter. And having those expectations can form a source of pressure uh, for people. And then pressure, when people are under pressure or feel under pressure, they're not going to perform uh, the way you want them to because they're not making the best decisions they could make. Um, just like athletes, when they're under pressure, they don't make the best decisions. But I do want to talk about this idea of that pressure is not something that's out there in the environment. Pressure is perceived by the person individually. It's all about uh, uh, so how someone is perceiving the situation. They're putting the expectation pressure on themselves. Typically, it's not outside sources. Mm -hmm. Although I could see how a boss might um, actually directly pressure an employee, but the employee, it's up to the employee in terms of how they interpret that and use that information, certainly. I'm just writing everything down. This is like gold nuggets. And I just want to follow up on three areas. What you already talked about is under pressure. You've talked about eliminate distractions. Okay. Like my middle name should have been distracted. Okay. I was born distracted. Like it takes very easy for me to get distracted, amused. Like in the business world, how do you, or even sports, let's talk sports. I think, you know, both are connected. Distractions are very normal. Like we are human beings. How do you stay in a non-distracted mindset? 
Depends what type of distraction you're talking about, Arjun, because you, yeah, you're constantly bombarded with what we call external distractions, mm -hmm. right? Phones ringing, email messages, um, coworkers. I mean, those are what, what, what I consider externals, things that are happening around the person. Um, as far as internal distractions, those are bigger for me in the sports world. And I assume they would be the same for you in the business world. Internal distractions start really on the inside with a person's when they're dwelling on mistakes or when they're worried about future outcomes um, or they have some random thoughts about things they need to take care of or get done. Uh, that maybe aren't relevant to the current task at all. So you have to look at the externals, which by and large athletes are better with the externals. Mm -hmm. um, they can write those off, but it's that those internal gremlins, those internal distractions that um, athletes have and that business people have that are more difficult um, to, to manage. So I don't know if you want to follow up there. Yeah, I love that. So I want to follow up there, but I also want to throw in a nugget that you had given me was when I was trying to play a few amateur tournaments and everything else, you had smiled and asked me how I see myself. Okay. I remember on a warm day, we were trying to practice a few putts. You had asked me, do I see the ball go in? And that was one of the big ahas that I felt was, if I don't see the ball go in, the probability of going in is not nearly zero, is zero. Same thing, you know, years later, I nearly called you late night was, I was getting ready for a client pitch. Night before when I was practicing on a Zoom session like this, I was doing great. But when it came to talking about money, I felt like, begging for the money. And I just went back to what you had taught me. And I paraphrase that. So pardon me for that is, if I don't see myself giving the money to Arjun, nobody will. So that night, I just practiced and practiced 27 times till I was excited to come. Like I wanted to get to that part with excitement. Because think at the end, I want to do great work, but I want to get money. If I'm not happy about getting the money from you, Dr. Cohn, why should you happily give me? So I truly appreciate that, but that became very important. But I want to go back to another thing you said about being confident. All of us want to be confident. What is confidence? Like, what is it? Well, it's probably different things to different people, but I would say by and large confidence is just knowing you have the skills to execute a task, right? So knowing that you have the skills and the knowledge and the, uh, the know-how to, as you put it, ask for money for your services, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have to feel like you deserve that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess is what I heard you say. And so, um, yeah, and, and comes from many different sources but there's also many different confidence killers. When we work with athletes, you have to understand that if you've been around and doing your job for a while, that you've, you've developed confidence 
whether you know it or not, you develop confidence from experience. You develop confidence from successes, from failures, learning from failures, right? Um, so it should come very naturally. But the challenge today, Arjun, is there's so many confidence killers. Making comparisons, high expectations, doubts that people have, um, worrying about what others think, certainly worrying about what coworkers and boss, uh, bosses think, um, being self-critical, trying to be perfect and never arriving at that perfect. So, um, so you naturally develop confidence from that experience and that know-how that you develop over the years, but there's so many things that tend to undermine that. Mm -hmm. As you are talking about, I'm just thinking, we were born confident. Okay? Think for a little baby to go from crawl to walk, the baby has never seen, like the baby falls on his face. Like I think as I'm listening to you, is we were born confident. Like it takes a lot of skill to realize that you cannot walk with both feet at the same time. Like a baby has to figure out one foot first, another falls a few times, gets up because the baby doesn't care if anybody is watching. Like for me, when I fall stupidly, before I'm hurt, it's my ego that is hurt. I make sure if nobody watches me, then I'm okay. And that I think is such an important thing. What you're teaching me is all these things we are adding over the years but by default, I was born confident. Then I got lost. But I really appreciate that as you start going through. Yeah, and there is no sense, as a kid, baby, you, there is no sense of ego. Mm -hmm. There's just being in the moment, mm -hmm. you know? And as kids grow older and they grow into adults, we find that that kid-like mentality of being in the moment and just that pure confidence mm -hmm. tends to get blown up, mm -hmm. right? with fears, with worries, with doubts, with expectations from parents, coaches, teachers, bosses, right? So yeah, that's an interesting concept. I, I was talking with my MGCP group just this week about, are you born a perfectionist, right? Maybe you have a propensity for type A somehow genetically, but are you born a perfectionist? And I would say, no, you're not born a perfectionist. You're not trying to be perfect as a baby, you learn through coaches and teachers and um, other people around you that um, you need to be more perfect, right? And so that's an interesting concept in and of itself. You know, what are you born with? What do you learn? What's nature and what's uh, nurture? And again, you know, I'm proving to you how distracted I get easily. You know, my first 12 years, 15 years of my life, I define it as the conforming origin. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to be the perfect Shamu where I do everything right. And my parents said, good origin, candy, fish. And to the point to remind myself in my home, I have done a hand-drawn sketch, which I see every morning to go. It's like that origin, which is like standing there. He wants to conform. Okay. And what I felt was in that 14 years, 10, 14 years, I lost a lot of me. Okay, mm -hmm. Like to the point where later on, when I went into a bad marriage, everything, I didn't know what I wanted to eat in life. Like, what do you want me to eat in life? Like, it's somehow somewhere I got totally lost. And I just love the way you are helping us see 
And this goes back to what you talked, you know, talked about a few seconds earlier is a lot of these are inside us. The doubts are inside. The confidence, as you talked about, is it's more inside what you see, not what others are looking at. You talked about failures. I want to get into failures. When we are in failure, in a moment of major failure, it could be sports, you know, let's say World Cup soccer. Okay. Those things come every four years. For some of these players, there's even a doubt whether they'll be even considered to play them in four years. Okay. How do you process and come back next morning? Good question. Um, so, I mean, you must have done something right. I mean, you must have had a successful season if you're in the World Cup or in the finals. Um, you know, you have to look at, well, what have you done to get there and to be a part of that? That to me is a win in and of itself. That is success. But I think society preaches and, and, and tells people that, you know, everybody likes a winner and no one likes the loser. So people go home with their tail between their legs and they lament mm -hmm. and they worry about um, or they don't worry, but they dwell, really. They dwell in that failure and thinking they were so close. I'm starting to think differently about the, to me, this word failure, Arjun, is so huge and so monumental for people. It's like, it's almost, you know, fail. It's become the dirty four letter word, mm -hmm. right? In all aspects of life. So my new philosophy today is, you know, the only failure is not trying. Mm -hmm. The only failure is not trying. So what I try to uh, get people to do, and I, I do work outside the athletic realm. Um, I work quite a bit with traders, you know, online day traders. Um, that's same principles, same skills. But as far as dealing with failure, it's about learning and growing from the failure instead of dwelling on, well, we had it in hand and we lost it. Mm -hmm. um, so there's always something to be learned when you don't win. There's mm -hmm. always something to be learned when you do win. Mm -hmm. So for the athletes that I work with that are constantly trying to develop themselves, constantly trying to improve and be better, then I help them latch onto that idea that it's about learning and growing from what just happened rather than criticizing and beating oneself up. I love what you said is failure is not trying. And right away I wrote down is my regret, if any should be, I was not prepared enough or didn't try enough. Like that's the only part. And the same way I think what you're also showing is winning is also not an end. If you stop learning after a win, it really means like that's the end, like that only goes in the past. But we have created this culture, like at the end of the Super Bowl, all the celebration is on the winning team. Like we are in their locker, we are everywhere. And the team that came this close to winning, the coach will just come out by saying, just for two seconds, I cannot talk today. The team is very hurt. Like we just create a culture where 
until five minutes back, both of you were equally important. Now, all of a sudden, I put you in a 2%, like you go from 50% ownership of my mind to 1% or 2%. And I really think that in that external situations, what you're talking about is how do you rise above this and how do you see is very important as you go through. Well, the thing I'm going to point to, Arjun, is you're talking about eyeballs, right? All the eyeballs are on the winner, right? Do they care in that moment about how many eyeballs are on them? Probably not. Probably not. Right? <laughs> and and the, the losing team, do they care? Probably not, but they probably don't want the eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Anyways, they don't want to do the interviews. Yeah. Those are tough interviews to do. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not about the perception of others, right? In mm -hmm. that moment, it's a celebration of the victory and they're in the moment just enjoying it. So it's not about garnering the attention, um, but rather the celebration of it and people being able to identify with that win, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I follow a team and love that team and like to be a part of that team, then I'm celebrating in that win with them as a fan, certainly. And then I'm lamenting, uh, I'm also, um, I'm also part of the losing if I'm mm -hmm. on the losing stick too. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. people identify from a fan perspective, people identify with their team. And when they win and lose, they also identify with that and feel it themselves. I had talked to an amazing, fascinating business leader. And on similar situations, when I asked him, he gave me a very fascinating advice. He said, Arjun, in the business world, when you win, if you feel the highs to be too high, your lows will be too low. He said on the other side, he connects all his highs to process, planning, preparation. Everything he has 100% control because he says, I celebrate like crazy. Everything I control, which means like that's the part where I would fire people on the spot if they are not doing what they are supposed to do. But I will never fire somebody for results that they don't control. And I really love that concept is if the highs are too high, the lows become too low. And that really hit me, which again, you know, of course you can be Tiger Woods because that's the reason his fist pump comes out because this dude wins one out of four tournaments that's like a different level but once unless you're winning one out of four the highs and the lows so how do you look at that like is is there something you look at in the sports world on balancing between the highs and the lows of wins and loses yes and i love the idea of process and planning i mean that's that's everything you know mm -hmm. in the sports world but um what it really says is if you're not emotionally on a more on an even keel, um, then those highs become really, really highs and the lows become really, really lows. And so with each little win, um, you're feeling great. But then with each little loss, then you're feeling awful about yourself. So you do you really want to be whipsawed mm -hmm. back and forth, right? And so and I think the good coaches out there will tell you, Hey, we still have a job to do. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, we might have, we we might have had one win, but mm-hmm. we can't be overexcited, overconfident, and we have to continue to put our heads down mm-hmm. and continue to work. We see that a lot in in the well, you see in the NFL, you see in the PGA Tour. If if uh, if the player's goal is to just get on tour and that's the win, are they going to stay on tour? Mm-hmm. Probably not, right? So I've seen that quite a bit where their goal is just to get on tour and then they can't progress and continue to the next win, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if you get too excited and too down, it's going to make for a really bumpy ride, especially if we talk about one competition or one deal, then there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of emotional whiplash going on. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about the old adage in sports, stay on an even keel. Yeah, celebrate uh, the win, learn from the loss, but let's not get whipsawed with super extreme emotions. Mm-hmm. That's how I interpret that. I love that. So now let's get a little personal. And, you know, to me, there was this one moment that really I'm grateful to was my daughter was growing up. I think we were both visiting Orlando. And you were very kind to take time to meet us for breakfast. I really do not remember what all you told my daughter, but there were some nuggets you gave her in your casual, smiling self. That really resonated with her. Okay. And I just want to go back to that Dr. Cohn, who is always there for individuals, an amazing dad, amazing human being. So Dr. Cohn, based on everything you've learned, if there's only one lesson wisdom that you can take forward tomorrow what would be the one thing that dr Cohn takes to tomorrow and day after oh there's so many things arch it's hard to boil one down thing. to one thing so you're only one thing well i always tell my kids find something that you enjoy doing um whatever that is and find a way to make a career out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of instead of just fit into that round peg hole, right? Just <laughs> go ahead and fit into that round peg hole that, that other people want you to fit into, that society wants you to fit into. I've been lucky throughout my career to find something that I'm passionate about and that I love to do and that I'm still doing, right? Um, and I was able to make a business out of it. When very few people early in my career were doing this. Mm-hmm. There was a handful of us when um, I started the mental coaching that were actually making a career full time out of the mental coaching. And um, so I, I've been happy to do that. So I want people to find their passion, find what they love to do first and foremost, then find a way to make that into a career, which is a different approach, I think, than what the culture and society preaches. I'm so glad this is the one thing you chose because this is the one advice you gave my daughter was to find what you love doing. And I think that really resonated. And this is the way I paraphrased your wisdom into the business world. When I see a leader, I really feel for a leader to get to level one of excelling, they play in the X-axis where they're really good at what they do. 
But then I look at people who get shortlisted to the next level are people who have a y-axis where they really enjoy what they do. But then I see a very few group of people who are in a z-axis. Coming from India, I would have said z. The z-axis is where they see an impact they're making on their lives, on others, because that is the addictive part. Like that's better than money or anything else. But seeing, but the middle dimension without which, as you talked about, without having fun and that advice you had given Raka that day and she was just getting ready to blossom and get into life was so important because of course you made it messy for a dad like me because Raka changed her career four, five, six times till she found what she has fun with. And now she's having a blast. She's in sociology. She's doing research worldwide, making the world better. And I just feel good that I have a daughter who's trying to make the world better. I truly appreciate your advice to her about having passion, having fun. And she has not stopped till she found that. So again, truly appreciate that. Well, you've been a great role model for her and um, author and um, business leader yourself. So she has a good role model to look up to. Yeah, but you know very well, kids don't look up to the dads and the moms. So it's the advice that comes from outside. So the next section to me, I call the BS section. This is the part where I would ask you to BS, but I define BS as brag shamelessly. As as Brad what? Bragging shamelessly. Oh, bragging shamelessly, okay. So Dr. Cohn, you have had amazing success. So what is the one thing you are most proud of? Like one of the most things, it could be other things too, that you want to brag shamelessly to the world. I'm going to brag shamelessly about in 2004, Arjun, I started what's called my MGCP certification program. It's called Mental Game Coaching Pro uh, certification. And that was before anybody had ever thought of offering a certification program. This was an opportunity for people to learn a system, a proven system for doing mental coaching without having to go to years and years of, of you know, education in school. Um, and so it's been going strong for 19 years. I've certified hundreds of individuals all over the world, got a chance to meet people all over the world through the certification program that we offer. And um, that's been one of my biggest um, sources of pride. And yeah. Uh, and now certainly there's others that are there's some copycats out there, as there's always going to be, right? Like Instagram <laughs> copying TikTok, every feature of TikTok, and they all copy each other's best features today, right? And to me, I think copying is so important because I was working with Chipotle and without mentioning names, a competitive brand was started where they took Chipotle's recipes and everything else. Mm -hmm. So whereas everybody in the leadership was getting upset, the founder of Chipotle calmed everybody down by saying, guys, stop. The first proof you have arrived is when you have others who crossing the gray area to be like you. And that to me was so powerful to learn is, and when he explained that people could come to you and learn, and that's there because you know, knowing the Chipotle founder, he would have given a lot of the knowledge anyway. But when people go, cross the gray line to be you, I really think Dr. Cohen, you have 
of course, I know you have arrived, but this again proves that you have arrived. So now I'll take you to a bizarre fictitious situation. You just get an evite. And in the evite, you see that you are in charge of arranging a meeting with Patrick Cohn, 16 years old, Patrick Cohn today, and respected Patrick Cohn, who just turned 100. So where would you arrange the meeting? And what would each one of them say in that meeting? The 16-year-old you, you today, and the 100-year-old. Wow, Arjun, that's a tough one, really. Can I have a few days to think about that? <laughs> sure. Okay, fast forward. A few days over. Where's the meeting? <laughs> okay. Um, wow, because I was free and wild at 16, you know. Um, yeah, so very interesting. So um, where would I arrange the meeting? I, it would have to be at a sporting event. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking maybe at the time 16, I was very much into football and hockey. So maybe a hockey game or a football game. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I would try to impart any wisdom that I have being, um, I guess, later in my life about um, career choices, making the right choices um, in education, making the right choices with relationships, making the right choices in business. And um, yeah, and make sure you buy Amazon. <laughs> and Apple, maybe. <laughs> and what would you ask or tell the hundred year old? Um, wow, another great question, Arjun. So you're surprising me with these questions today. I'm totally unprepared for your questions. So um, what would the 16 year old tell the hundred year old? Am I gonna make it to a hundred years old <laughs> at 16? Mm -hmm. You know, you're a little bit wild and free at that time. And so, yeah. Um, but I would ask, so what would the 16-year-old ask the 100-year-old? Or you asking, whatever you guys, you guys are all together. You, can... <laughs> you guys are all together. <laughs> um, maybe what's your biggest regret in your life? I love that. Sir, Dr. Cohn, this has been, truly, I mean it, a conversation of all times. Like, I personally will view this, listen to this multiple times because there are so many micro nuggets there. And I'll connect the dots, hopefully. So as we wrap this thing up, is there anything we haven't talked that you want to share? And also, I truly appreciate you answering every question, goofy, smart, whatever it was. If you have any questions for me, I would also love to answer out of respect. Yeah, well, Arjun, you gave me an idea several years ago. You said, here's an idea for you. You should consider doing this. And I did. I developed a program for young kids and their parents. It's called the 10-minute pregame prep. I think you wanted me to do a five-minute program of sorts. But we did a 10 minute pregame prep and it was very, very successful. So what's my next step in terms of my evolution of developing programs for kids and athletes? You know, the thing you have to look at is 
how fast the world is changing. Okay? My dad, growing up in India, I felt was so creative that we still had a landline, but he had figured out somebody from the phone company came to the house and added this extra long cord. And any room he wanted to be the two sons used to take the phone to that room. So my dad had a portable phone all over the house, which was very unique because those days we did not have even cordless phones. Okay. From there, we are coming to the point where every year your iPhone gets outdated. And in three to four years, it doesn't work anymore. Okay. I really think that's the part where we really, more than anything, have to spend time on where the puck is going, as Mr. Gretzky said, more than ever. And this is the part where when I start my day every morning, I have a ritual. I start with health today. Then I look at friends and family today because to me, I'm very grateful that my life is all about everybody who is kind to me like you. I just think that it's all about me. And everybody wakes up wanting to be kind to Arjun. And that I really must appreciate. But the third thing I spend time every morning is business tomorrow. Okay. I also know I have limited knowledge. Like I want to see who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to ask? Because somebody somewhere has the answer. And my skill is if I get five people's different answers, I can connect the dots. So my request to you would be that there's something you need to do which you and I do not know what it is. And if you and I can't figure it out, we'll get obsolete. Because once you have that, that you do not know, and without which you'll get obsolete, I really feel that will force you to find the answer. I will also digress a little bit. Is when I was growing up, I asked my grandma, why did you name me Arjun? She said, you know, when I held you for the first time, you didn't look like one of the smartest kids. I'm like, thank you, grandma. <laughs> she said, but your eyes told me that you ask questions. And the right question, if you ask, somebody will give you the answer. And that became my mantra in life that I want to ask questions. Okay? And so that's what my request is. If you and I could figure that thing out, it's like we figured out what Facebook or Amazon would be 10 years back. I really think that's not that easy. But I think that mindset of waking up every morning, knowing I do not know, but I must find it out, like that mindset. And again, I'm just looping it back to what you taught me was, I want to build this into a process, not an end, because that way every day I put effort in my process. I feel good about it. Not every day I influence my future, but the very fact I commit time every day to health today, family today, like my wife freaks out. Then 5 a.m. I send her text messages. She's still sleeping. She wakes up and says, are you okay? Why are you sending me messages that you care about me, love me? I said, because I do. So I really think it's the process. It's the process. Like to me, doing those four things every day, and that's what I would request is the future, you know. And another thing I also would request is Working with some of the top athletes, I realized that these guys put in 14 to 15 hours a day in practicing current skills and enhancing themselves. I don't know about you. I was putting in few hours a year going to conferences, 
And that's another thing what I've looked at is other than products or anything else, I want to reinvent myself every two years by serious investing. Like serious investing means one-fifth of my revenue. I invest in getting better. And that, I think, is very important because otherwise, how the heck do I compete with people as smart as my daughter, your kids? Like They are way smarter than me. It takes so much more effort for Arjun to play with old golf clubs to play with these young kids. I really have to invest. So those are a few random thoughts I have. What's your reactions to these? It's hard to predict, you know, where it's going in my industry. Um, what you're saying is what I'm hearing is seek out your population, yes. seek out your clientele, the people that you work with every day and ask them what they need going forward, what would help them at the next level, you know? I think you're right about the technology has evolved and it's helped us be successful, Arjun. Um, certainly with websites and pod podcasting, social media, um, all that's contributed you know, to our success today. But you don't know where it's going next. Is it going to the metaverse? right? Is it going to virtual reality, being able to do, you know, live imagery and mental training, you know, with athletes? Um, it's hard to tell where it's going. And it's hard to reinvent. Right now, we're doing the best we've ever done. So I've been at this over 30 years. And from a business standpoint, this is the best we've ever done. Right? Last year and this year, and I don't think it has anything to do with COVID. Right? Um, so how do you reinvent when, um, you know, how do you foresee the future and reinvent when in actuality you're doing better than ever? Wouldn't you want to stick to what you're doing, stick to your guns, stick to what's working rather than try and reinvent the business? And I think that's the part where it becomes a balance. The very fact technology is evolving there are certain parts of human connection in certain situations cannot ever be ruled out. I really think that's the part where separating what you are doing great should always be there. Like, I got a lot from you on phone conversations, but I got so much more in the personal part because the personal side gets me the authenticity. It's not what you share, it's how you share the smiles, the smirks, the irreverence that plants the seed so deep inside cannot be replaced. So I really feel that, you know, I love the way you summarized it because it's not about walking away from past success, but always ready to change without change because you cannot change completely. You need to evolve, you need to refresh. And that's what the thing is, when things are not broken, don't break it. But it's all about, think for a second, your success currently is defined by the feeling the golfers, the players are getting from you. Delivery is a path. If the path becomes more important than the feeling you are giving me, I'm sorry, you're screwed. 
So all you need to look at is, in my humble opinion, again, I know nothing in your field, is as the path evolves, how do you keep getting that feeling the same intensity or better? But the feeling has to be what you have invented. It, it is there. You have like got locked that. You have 30 years of wins. Is proof enough for me that you create that feeling. Like I am talking to you today with so much of excitement because you planted the seed in me and my daughter. That cannot be faked. That cannot be replicated. You cannot take that away from me ever. So I really feel building on that feelings and then find different paths. So it's like Starbucks finding different ways, but the coffee cannot change. Coffee cannot change. Yeah, what Dr. Phone brings cannot change. You cannot yes. change. If you change that, it's gone. So, so Dr. Cohn, this has been a yeah, fun great discussion. advice. Thank you. Yes, Dr. Cohn said great advice. I should drop my mic there, finish the conversation right there, and not carry on anymore. So, Dr. Cohn, thank you for taking time. This was truly, truly appreciated. And I really feel a lot of people will find incredible nuggets in that. This is a conversation for all types. Thank you again. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.